This podcast contains swear words. Hello and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, a podcast about art making, creativity, not giving up, and living well in the process. Although I'm coming from the perspective of a performing artist, the themes, ideas, and issues discussed here apply to all of us, whether you consider yourself an artist or not. Life is a creative act. I'm your host, Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg, a choreographer, actor, dancer, writer, and educator living on the unceded, stolen, ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish people on the west coast of Canada. All right, here we go. I am recording from my office, my closet office here, and I'm recording on May 24th, 2021, and it's been over a year since I've been working out of my office, and I gotta tell ya, I'm over it. I am so over it. At first it was kind of, you know, oh here, I can make my closet into an office, this is cool, you know, it's really kind of Tetrisy. I can, you know, clear this. And I, I love to clutter clear. So, you know, that ticked a few boxes. But sitting amongst my my clothes, most of which I don't wear these days because they're, well, if they're not black nor sweatpants, why would I bother? I, yeah, it's no longer entertaining. So I just wanted to share that with you. If you might be listening to this from your office or your car office or your cramped corner of the living room office or your your kitchen office. Um, at least the weather's getting better and we can go outside into maybe a, a garden office or a, or a park office. So there's hope. In today's episode, I have a fantastic interview with sound and music creator Nancy Tam. I think you're going to really enjoy this. Nancy has so many interesting things to say about sound and our experience, potential experience, really paying attention to sound and paying attention in general. So listen right to the end and Nancy gives a great exercise, a great task for us to do. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, I've gotten a lot out of applying some of the strategies that Nancy offers. But before we get into this fantastic interview, I would like to remind you, as I always do, to please rate, review, like, share this podcast with your friends, with another artist, with somebody you think uh, might benefit from some creative views and some great interviews. Views and interviews. And if you have the means and inclination to donate please do so. You can go to www.terrashyan.com, upper right-hand corner, click donate. It takes you right there. We'll put that link in the show notes. And all the donations go towards the production and editing, the sustainability of this podcast, and honorariums for our guests, and towards mentorships through Tara Cheyenne Performance. And now a brief reflection in this segment I call Process, Process. 
Lately, I've been thinking a lot about analog versus digital. These days, we are on constant Zoom calls. There's a lot of online feeds, platforms, learning new software, finding out what are the best tools, how can I get more efficient in the digital realm. And I've been thinking a lot about kind of the um, the level of anxiety <laughs> that I feel when I've spent a lot of time in front of a computer, whether it's on a Zoom call or trying to edit video or even watching wonderful art. There is something about the flicker. There is something about the little things that are constantly popping up. The brain is always kind of pulled in different directions and not able to fully pay attention. Even if we really are paying as much attention as we possibly can, the digital realm doesn't allow the mind to really relax into that deep focus. So I'm thinking about how analog, how writing things down on paper, reading things off of paper, having a phone call instead of a Zoom, drawing on paper instead of on a screen, if that's something that's uh, in your realm. So I just wanted to offer that as a way to be less efficient, actually, and being less efficient maybe can lead us further down the path into creativity. When things are moving really quickly and we're jumping from one task to the next, sometimes not finishing a task and then jumping somewhere else, the mind doesn't get to kind of sink deeper and find those things in our long-term memory or the longer-term memory that can make the connections that lead us to creativity. And what I mean by that is if you're reading something on paper, your brain has the time to maybe go retrieve something from your longer-term memory that might relate to the thing you're reading because you can pause, you can look away, you can come back. There's not a pop-up or a ding or even that little light flicker from the computer screen that interrupts that journey of the mind back into a memory or something that was experienced before an idea that connects to the idea that you're maybe reading about or even listening to in the moment. So I just want to offer that as something to think about. Can you take notes instead of on your computer? Can you take notes on a piece of paper? It's not as efficient. But we do retain the information we write down, that brain-body connection, when we use a pen or a pencil on paper. Or perhaps saying things into voice memos. I know that's digital too. But saying things... Like when we have a conversation with somebody about an idea, that idea tends to stick or grow more than if we, we type it into the computer. So slower, less efficient as methods towards creativity. I leave you with that. Let me know if that worked for you, if that was something useful, or I'm interested too in people who are like, no, I am super creative in the digital realm. I'm super creative typing things, writing on my computer. Love to know. You can get in touch, info at terrashyan.com or reach out on Instagram, TCP, Facebook, Performance. 
And now my interview with sound artist Nancy Tam, originally from Hong Kong. She now finds herself on the West Coast, lucky for us, in so-called Vancouver. Nancy's work centers around the philosophy that sound is distant touch. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. And as I said earlier, listen right to the end to the amazing task that Nancy gives us. Okay, let's dive in. Thank you so much for being on Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, where we can talk shit or we can not talk shit. And maybe it's to the listener to decide whether it's shit or not. Yeah, Um, (laughs) sounds great. Nancy Tam, I see your name everywhere. And I have to say, when I see your name, I automatically go, I got to check that out. You're such a... um, incredible innovator in terms of sound and the way people experience sound and think about sound and integrate sound. You're such an innovator. And I'd love to hear like, when did you discover this love for the sonic world and the integration into our kind of moving world? Thank you for asking that question. First of all, just like so refreshing to be able to talk about it because this is one of my favorite questions because that's my passion is listening. And it's always been that way. It's always been that way. You know, some of my most like vivid memories from my childhood is of, of sound. Like I've always just been drawn to it. Um, my mom's a musician as well. She's a singer and she did like voice coaching for a while when I was young. So like there was a lot of thinking about the body, especially voice, right? Like thinking about the body and how it works and like being trained as a musician. It's all a lot about what your body does and then how you receive it. And you kind of have to do the thing where you listen and do at the same time and you you adjust at the same time. Because I feel like musicianship, sometimes we talk about it as though it's just like an act of doing, but there's a lot of like inner tuning that happens that was very fascinating to me. And I loved sound. It wasn't about just music, you know, like my first experience at at a Canadian school, there's this like huge field and it backed onto this train track. So it like the field went up and then there's a ditch and then there's like fenced off train tracks. And so on multiple occasions, like I would just be left out because they forgot about me because I was... (laughs) up on the hill and just waiting for the train and just like hearing the train come by and like that kind of like wide stereo experience like you, you just don't get when you are listening to recording so that kind of gave me a sense of like ah yeah like I gotta be there for the sound to happen to me and it's always been linked to movement it's always been because sound is movement right you can't have sound without friction. So there's always movement. And so doing spatialized sound or specializing spatialized sound was just like, yeah, duh. Like, what do you mean spatialized sound? Sound is spatialized. Always. For me, it's just like, it's just always the world. It's not anything special. It is special. It's profound, but it's not like something that is not normal for me. And then also like as a teenager, my mom, like she didn't really... I don't know. My mom was like really odd because she's like so progressive. She's a really progressive lady, but like she's not hugely educated. She finished high school and we got to Canada when she had like finally had some time to like finish her high school diploma. Right. But she's 
extremely wise and she's extremely progressive. And one of these things that she did was like no TV. But she would take us to the library. Like we didn't even have cable. And I think my, my family has always just been like resourceful. I remember like, it's just like in our bones. You know, she'd take us to the library and we can take out whatever media we wanted, like whatever media we wanted. So it'd be like East Indian music and then like a Mahler symphony. And then I'd take out like <laughs> six CDs of sound libraries. Remember those? Oh, yeah, totally. So it'd be like bugs of Africa or like whatever. And I just listen to sounds because I love them. Because it's like paying attention to different things. I like doing that. And so, yeah, that combined with my musical training, like my first, what I call like my real first piano teacher, like she was just so, such an incredible lady, first person who was like, when you're flying through the air and you're like arriving at different cities, just listen to what that city sounds like. Because every single city sounds different. And that certainly is true in terms of like the electricity and all that stuff, you know, really tuning in or like trying to, I think it's the act of trying that's like really magical. And I started paying more attention to that. And then of course, my musical training brought in a different kind of grammar and, and made me fall in love with like form and that kind of rigor and discipline as well. And so it never felt like it was music and then sounds different or even performance or making anything else that I do. It's like, these are transferable, just ideas. These are just ideas, you know? Uh, we can apply like the sonata form into making a soundscape composition or like how we deal with soundscape. We can use that, some of those ideas to deal with choreography. And, you know, if we think about choreography into spatializing sound, like, yeah. So, so I think like just how I like to make everything exciting for myself of going like, oh, I have this new piece of thought and applying into it. So yeah, I just get really excited when I think and talk about listening. <laughs> and that's always been the case. Oh, I love it. I love it. It makes me get excited. Now I'm thinking like, okay, I am going to so pay attention to the sounds in my life. A couple of things you said that are just like so potent was... It's just the act of paying attention. And I feel like as artists, that is mindfulness. It's like, you know, you hear it when you study meditation and so many things. Like the world just kind of opens up and becomes so vivid when we pay attention. And um, the other thing that you said that I also found so exciting was sound requires friction. So like as an artistic concept... That's also so interesting, just like everything, really. It, it didn't occur to me. But of course, movement requires friction, requires gravity, requires density of the air and the density of the body. They're so exciting. At what point did you find this intersection? And it, I feel like because you talk about experiencing sound in your body, even as a kid by the train, which is so beautiful and vivid, that intersection into movement, into dance, like how has that journey been for you or, or has it just been a natural transition or a discovery? It's funny, like, I feel like I am so not of like any kind of authority to talk about dance because I am not a dance artist. Like I am, I'm only, I would say a little bit more than an appreciator. Like I'm in like in awe of people who have control over their body. Yeah. My thing is just like, 
durational movement, like walking for a long time or very slowly for a long time or very quick, like, you know, all the variations of walking, cycling or variations into climbing or whatever. Like, so I just want to preface that. But I, I do appreciate and, and I do notice like organizations of movement that happens around me and to me and that I am a, a participant of. And, and I love the observing the micro and macro. That to me is the most exciting part of of what, you know, of like everyday choreography in conceptual ways and also just like practical ways, like, you know, observing the street and or like, you know, trends. I think that's part of movement as well. Um, in terms of listening in the body is, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, it's always been that way, like of, of just being really in tune, I guess, of like with sensations in the body and, and what sound does to my body. And then also like I have still a very deep interest in like perception works with the human brain. And so sound is this thing that kind of physically, you know, I like to think about like as a physical phenomenon because it is. So yeah, like in a way, it can't not affect us physically because it is physical. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you go to a dance party, you are in front of the subwoofer and you feel those like booms. So I think like my practice has just been like trying to tune like, ooh, like this sonic event. What does that do to people's body? Like and, and watching, watching people experience it and going, okay. And so you know, like, how do I tune them? How do I tune people's bodies through these sonic experiences, right? So something that I had been doing that kind of developed through the work that I was making with uh, Leaky Heaven back in the day was, and, and, you know, thanks Steve Hill for giving me, you know, the time and the space and to, to just like try these different things. Because I, I certainly wasn't, sure if these experiments would work but it worked and 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 it's like really been integrated into a big part of my practice which is like audience training so i would layer extremely quiet or super subtle sounds or sonic events that happen over a long 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 time in the show you know the audience forgets about it or like that it's just like so much a part of the room that we're in or like so much of the air that we forget about it because we, we're not thinking about the air we breathe we should be but we don't uh, so it's the same thing with hearing right we have selective hearing because we have to because otherwise our brains would just be you know way too full so I would layer and, and and quiet sounds and then I would just slowly shift them or tune them or take them out or you know and that kind of thing always really excited me because now we're we're I'm not dealing with just the sound right but it's like you're connected from me whatever controls that I have to this output of the sound to the point of perception so I feel like that's big part of the reason why I love like playing and performing uh, which has always been kind of this 
like it comes up less and less now, but for a while it was coming up like a lot of like, well, why, you know, can't you just like put it into QLab? And it's really funny because I used to think about it and be really self-conscious of the fact I'm like, well, but I could, I, 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 I can, but it's like, well, then why don't you ask, I don't know, like Bjork to put her shit on QLab? Like why? You know, but um, that's a different conversation, I think. But yeah, just in terms of body listening to the body, it's like, how can we not? (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, I think it's the feedback loop. It's the, for lack of a better term, but uh, it's the conversation between the artist and the audience and things that are recorded and played back is, I mean, it's got a completely different relationship. Um, it's just a different kind of conversation that's not in real time. So there's something so interesting about that. I mean, I feel like that, I mean, in these, like not being able to perform live is just so over it because I'm not getting that feedback loop. I'm not getting that. How have you been dealing with that in these strange times? Strange times. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's funny because... You know, we talk about the pivot, right? We've been talking about the pivot for a year now. And and I feel like I, I pivoted really well, but also I feel like I didn't pivot at all because it's like I'm pretty plugged in, you know what I mean? Like people don't even know that I went to music school or that I've been like in piano performance for years because like nobody sees me with keys or like that I sing or that I play music at all because like I'm just plugged in. And so in a way, like, it hasn't really changed that much. It hasn't, it hasn't, it hasn't, it hasn't. Because when the form changes, for me, it changes everything. It changes everything. So, okay, here's a talking shit. Can I talk shit? Can I talk shit? Please, I love talking shit. All right. Because like, let's be real for a second. Look at y'all be making like pivoted pieces, which is great. And like, you know, you, you got to make the best of what you can. But like... I think we owe it to ourselves to dig in a little and go, how do we make 100% another thing instead of like 80% of a thing that we made and then 20% of this new thing that we have no idea about? I'm like, let's make 100% of like this new thing that we have no idea about. And let's like, I don't know, like do fewer projects and make them be something surprising and new because like surely this time is surprising and new. So having been pretty careful about like the projects I take and who I work with, and I know now that I can't pretend to like something, I just, I can't do it. I'm not good at it anyways, like you'll know. And so I have to just be really strict and honest about how like, okay, if we're going to make this into a film or are we going to make this into a video like the form of it changes and so there is different grammars and different techniques that this new form already has a whole historical context that we don't know about but it already exists outside of us and we ought to know more about so that's been really exciting digging into understanding a new form and working within a new form that's been really cool and then also just like you know, I really am super grateful for all the time that times and different projects that have brought me into the room safely with the other folks. Like, holy heck, man, like I am so grateful 
for those experiences. And like, yeah, it's not the same. Obviously, that goes without saying, but it's like, well, shit stinks. You don't have to say it stinks. It just is, you know, like, so I don't want to talk about how different it is, but I am just so fucking grateful that I had hey body in mind. I had walking at night by myself, you know, still folks are like stoked to work on and it had been like a heartbreaking kind of hiatus for a little bit. Folks that, you know, with, with double happiness, folks are like still so into it. And, you know, uh, other projects too that just like come along the way that Little Shrimp, this beautiful audio play <laughs> that I had the chance to make with Carousel and Host Lou of this brilliant team of artists. So yeah, like those are experiences that I've kind of hung on to as, as like tethers. There are other, many other projects that I've been involved with this year that I'm just super grateful for. Actually, like just all of them. Because holy heck, as much as I'm like overworked and like burnt out, I'm also just like baffled and so incredibly grateful that like folks are, remember that I exist and like care enough to work with me. You know, that's amazing. Oh, totally. It's such a great thing to hear you speak like that because like you say, there's so much like me, <laughs> it's not the same name and it's just, it's not productive. And it's also not acknowledging the pivots that are super interesting. And it's like going into this whole realm of not knowing. And, and I wonder too, if there's a, a beautiful thing about not knowing about failure, about discovery that opens us up into new ways of working you know, whether we're forced to, or, you know, in this case, or, or we choose to, that can really lead to amazing, amazing creations. I'm going to link to Nancy's work. So as many of the things as I can, the stuff that's still going on or is still up on the World Wide Web. What? World Wide Web. I sound like it's 1995 when I said that shit. Um, <laughs> You speak about walking. I'm really into walking. I'm really into like the brain science of walking and all that stuff. So I would love to hear your thoughts about walking, about sound, anything. Yeah. Walking. Oh my God. It's like listening, right? It's like a profound, sublime like experience for me. I think I've always been a walker, except I'd never really acknowledged it until like I came to Vancouver so I came to Vancouver for my MFA and I was like so stoked because I'm the first person in my whole family to get higher education. So and like kind of like a piss off for I think my for my family a little bit because like, you know, then I then I went off to like music school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like not the immigrant story that I think uh they appreciate it at the time, but now, now I think I've proven that I'm like, okay, you know, I can survive. So it's okay. It's fine now. Yeah. So I came to Vancouver for my MFA and I was just so stoked about school, about like everything that has to do with my master's. But I was also like extremely, extremely distracted, distracted by like walking a lot every single day, like two plus hours, like walking. And, you know, as a master's student, you can't really spend that time doing something without it like mattering. Like that's a lot of time 
Like if you're not reading and writing and watching and making, like it's a short program. You don't have time to waste. So I'm a little bit of a brat. I'm like, I'm not going to stop doing what I love doing. That's stupid. I guess my research is in walking now. I guess that's what I'm interested in because I keep doing it. And like, I don't know why I'm interested. I, I just am. So I guess I'll just keep doing it. So I continue that research. Just a simple question of like, why am I walking so much? And thinking more about that, of going like, oh, what is this experience of walking? Like, what is my brain doing? What's my body doing when I'm walking? There's this like metronomic thing that happens, right? This is like shift of weight and playing with density of the air and, and playing with the gravity of your, your experience of gravity and your experience of momentum and inertia and of falling and of traversing and of drawing, you know, and of reading the city. And I started like doing exercises where I would just walk, but like think about like a bird's eye view of the city when I was walking and, and, and like, drawing basically with my routes and then of course like outside of this embodied research that I was doing I just started reading all that I could read about other people that that had walking as a big part of their practice because it's not a new thing like I didn't invent it (laughs) (laughs) and it was so humbling to be like oh my god I'm tapping into or like I have the pleasure or are privileged to one, an able body and two, to like discover for myself, like how meaningful of an act this is. And also be in this like discourse with other people that have come before and that are practicing now and like doing this work. And then I kind of went narrower in a, in a way, because so for my thesis project at SFU, I did this show called um, Some Hallways Lead to Other Hallways and Some Lead to Dead Ends. And it's at the SFU building downtown there uh, at uh, Woodworths. And that building is really interesting because it's triangular and it's very disorienting because we as humans, especially indoors, are just so attuned to perpendicular and parallel structures. So when you throw in like a angle that you're you're not used to and when you have hallways that are extremely long and like have like spokes coming out of it it's extremely disorienting and so my experience was that people were like always like getting lost and because the way that the building is designed and there's also like a culture thing, right? Where like design is like based on kind of what works, what functions and, and the infrastructures that we're like already attuned to. So this building had a lot of these little nooks that like went nowhere. And at the time I was really interested in like all these places because I moved a lot through my life. Like I was just really interested in like all these other places that I call home. And I, I was really thinking about how the tide is walking as a journey, walking as a search and also intellectual, emotional journey of searching for like a sense of home, being part of a diaspora, like, you know, being a third culture kid and like this feeling of never belonging and always wanting to belong. I was just like, oh, this is like easy, easy peas, like easy, (laughs) because who's going to argue with that? 
So I went back to like all these other places that I call home. I went back to Hong Kong and did field recordings. And I went back to this studio that I used to rent in, in Kishinawalu. And it became this like synchronized 10-part audio walk that's interactive. So for the first 20 minutes, everyone would be listening to the same thing. And you would hear my voice go like, turn around and you see everyone turn around. And you know, we're all listening to the same thing. Mm. And 20 minutes later, there's a split. Five people go one way and then five people go the other way. And then there's a split within that. And then at the end there, like everyone is on their own journey. So like every one of these is like unique. I would have meeting points and people would exchange headphones and blah, blah. And that was really just like from this experience of walking of like how fast my brain was going and like observing the divergent paths that my mind was able to go without it being like precious or like without it having to like connect any of the dots because my body was already connecting the dots by just making a line. So like listening through headphones and walking became a thing for me of going like, oh yeah, it's the space of daydream. Walking is a space of daydream for me anyways. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so that was my thesis research was what is the space of daydream and made this like gargantuan work that like really had no connecting points, but no one complained about that because I think the act of walking already connected the dots for us. And beyond that, I was just really inspired by that. And then later on, like I continued this practice of walking, but then it just got pushed later and later and later and later. And then now I'm just like really into solo walking really late at night. Like, I mean, Charles Dickens wrote Night Walk because he was an insomniac. Yeah. He wrote this thing because he was just like observing London at the time, really late at night and how different it is. And like the space of like being really tired And also the world is just a lot quieter at night. And so like we're able to listen to or be aware of different things. And I love walking late at night by myself and listening. And there are like spots around the city that I listen to and that I I frequent. And I go and I just literally stand and listen or sit or whatever. And uh, yeah, I was just so entranced by this experience of not half awake. It's not even that asleep. It's not half awake, half asleep. It's just the beginning stages or like the moments where I'm able to allow myself to be surprised. You know, like it's early. It's like a subtle thing. I've done the day. I'm warm and Maybe you turn on to a street where the like canopy of the trees are just like kind of letting through little pinholes of light from the street lamp. And because of terrible eyesight, like just just terrible night vision, when I walk through dark parts, like I literally like can't see. I just don't. And I'm just like, okay, I guess like, I don't know if it's a hole in front of me or not, but I'm just, I'm going to go and trust that it's fine. And it's that little bit scariness, but also it just like heightens everything. I don't know. It's this like practical thing of like ready to be surprised, not taking my environment for granted, not taking my presumed understanding of my body for granted. All those things working together 
it's really exciting. Yeah, it's just really exciting. It's like the beginning of a horror film. Like, you know something is going to happen, but you don't know what. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. That's excellent. I wrote that down. Allow myself to be surprised. I mean, that's like that in the flow, creative place of like attention. But I love that you turn at the beginning of a horror movie. (laughs) That's so excellent. You've touched on so many great practices that you have and ways of interacting and being aware of your world and the world. I like to offer something to listeners, to creators, a simple practice that, that you found useful or that you would recommend? Do you have something like that? Yeah, I do. I'm so glad you asked. I make these walking and listening exercises for myself just to keep my practice sharp. And one of these things, it's called brain flossing. Ooh, brain flossing. Love the name. Yeah. So first of all, it's called brain flossing because like I kind of at the back of my head, like hold that image or imagine what that feels like. Just to like activate this through your head and like very subtle movement. And you know, when you floss, like there's this like push and pull kind of feeling. Just, just, just hold that, hold that feeling, but like for your brain. Okay. So that's first step. That's more like a preamble, but hold that. It's very situational. Okay. And it's very locational. So really an exercise you have to go and do. So there are two versions of this. One is walk to the nearest shoreline. One. Two, face the shoreline. So it's coming toward the tip of your toes. You're facing it. And try to hear far out to your left and right as possible. The quieter the sound and the farther you can listen, the better. Now do that until you're bored. And hold that. Remember the brain flossing? Now if you can, put that feeling in your head while you listen. Okay. When you're bored, then I want you to turn to whichever side that is your dominant side. So for me, it's my right side. So I would turn to my right. So now my left side is toward the the shore. It's lapping in on my left side. Now here, as far out as possible, through both your ears to your left and right for the quietest sounds and the farthest you can go. And then front and back, the quietest sounds and the farthest you can go. Do that until you're bored. And then you're going to turn again toward your dominant side. So now the water is lapping toward the back of your feet, your heels. And you repeat the same instructions as before. Do that until you're bored. And then you turn again until you're facing the water again. It's a long, it's a long thing. I mean, it can be a long thing. It can be a really short thing if you're like bored really easily. But I love it. I love it. I'm totally going to do that brain flossing. And I feel like that's like a great place to to conclude, although I definitely keep talking to you. There's the whole idea of boredom is like 
crazy interesting to me, which is kind of funny. Boredom is so interesting to me uh, because I feel like it's a necessary thing that we've kind of lost touch with. Boredom and failure, I think, are so interesting. But let's save that for next time. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you that you want to, to drop into the conversation? No, I mean, this has just been really enjoyable. And like, I can talk your ear off about listening and walking like all day, every day. It's so great. I'm just having a lot of fun. And, and, and thanks so much for, for having me. Oh, it's just so delightful. I just love listening to you talk about all this stuff. I always say this, enthusiasm is my favorite thing. Just listening to somebody who is so interested in whatever it is, it illuminates so much. Your website, I will post the link. Is there anything coming up that folks can look for? Yeah, so I'm working with Cindy Mochizuki on her her installation at the Story Art Gallery, which opens June 4th, I want to say, June 4th. We'll find the link and we'll, we'll post that so folks know exactly. So yeah, I'm working on, on that piece. It's a beautiful work. I mean, it's Cindy's work, so it's always beautiful. And it's a 50-minute long animation film. And animation is just like the best. It's like audio play without words. So everything you hear, it's going to be from me. Yeah, so that opens in June. I'm really excited for that. And then um, K, Body and Mind. It's going to be opening at Open Years Festival virtually uh, in the beginning of June. That will be showing again. And so for folks who missed it the first time for Push Off, please check it out. We worked so hard. Like, I'm not even going to say like, it's a great thing. It's like, no, nah, man, we work so damn hard. Just please celebrate our efforts. <laughs> oh yeah right yeah good or not like that's for you to decide but yeah i know for a fact that we just worked really darn hard on it and, um, so i would love for people to see it just because we work so hard on it amazing okay we'll post those links so people know how to find your work and how to keep in touch thank you so much nancy thanks for having me and that's a wrap Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Nancy Tam, for sharing your amazing ideas. I know I'm listening in a much deeper and more focused way these days. All the links and a link to Nancy's website and bio are in the show notes. So check those out. Lots of really interesting work and links to performances that are coming up. So do check those out. Get in touch with us. Instagram, Tara Cheyenne TCP, Facebook, Tara Cheyenne Performance, or even email info at TaraCheyenne.com. Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne is a project of Tara Cheyenne Performance, produced, edited, and original music by Mark Stewart, MarkStewartMusic.com. And I'll leave you with a quotation from science writer Isaac Asimov. Creation is embarrassing. So keep making shit up. I'll see you next time. Be well. This podcast is effing good.